Kevin, we do thank you for the time that you've given us to be together with you. We thank you, Lord, that we will use this time wisely. We give you our full attention, Jesus, because certainly you deserve it, and you have good things for us. If we give you attention, you give us your word. You give us revelation. You give us power to walk out your word. So we thank you, Father, for the increase that we get when we listen to, hear, and receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 So this is the afternoon session. We have our Watchman Revelations to talk about in this session. So I kind of have the liberty and the freedom to uh, have some of the things from our prayer manual taught in greater depth. And it's good to have an understanding, a clear understanding. I appreciate that you all pray in obedience to uh, using the manual, but it's also good to get understanding. The Bible tells you in all you're getting to get understanding. And that when we have knowledge, it tends to puff us up. But if we have understanding, it humbles you. Because you have to humble yourself to get understanding from God. You have to sit at his feet and learn from him until he looses you. Huh? You don't loose yourself, he looses you. And you never lose yourself from learning because it's like being a, a, a light bulb and you unplug yourself from the power source. If you ever release yourself from learning from God, it's like a light. You think you have light, but you have none. Because you'll step out and speak words and try to glow and try to shine and it won't be there. And so we have to be careful that we don't get deceived by our flesh because if we're disconnected from the power of God, there's no help for anybody. There's only trouble for people. So this is a way to stay connected to the power source and never disconnect yourself from learning and from receiving. <clears throat> so receiving understanding really does humble you because you have to stay obedient to God and you have to stay uh, in his presence and, and uh, in, in fellowship with him so that he can share the things that he wants to share with you by the Spirit and by his word. So this afternoon, we're going to talk, that our Watchman Revelation will be on the um, Trinity of Jezebel, Ahab, and Pharaoh. And if you have your prayer manual, we'll be following, I'll, I'll follow as much as I can in the guidelines section where the description of the prayers are. <clears throat> Starting on page 15, we talk about the curse of Jezebel. Now, why do I call this the unholy trinity? Hmm? Unholy trinity. Hmm? Because when God does something, he does it in patterns, and he does it in forms, and he does it in shapes. He sets down the groundwork or lays the groundwork for how things work. How many of you know that if you basically know how to make a car, you can make a car look like anything you want it to look like because you have the basic understanding or the pattern for car making? If you want to make a dress, you can go to the store, and I could get the same pattern that Avis has. Of course, mine going to be cuter right off the bat. <laughs> but... 
She might do it in red, and I might do it in oh, pink. <laughs> but we have the same pattern. So we have the same basic ability in the pattern to make something. So there's going to be a similarity between what I have and what she has if we have the same pattern. And that's the way it is with things in the spirit. Spiritual things have to fit into a certain shape, form, or pattern for them to work. Let me give you understanding. There are two kingdoms in operation, and they are flip mirror images of one another. So the patterns of things that God has created are traced and copied by the devil, and he makes his counterfeit, and that's what makes it seem real to us because it fits the pattern. There's a pattern in everybody's brain of the Word of God, and it has been left there for certain purposes in our lives. For instance, when you're born, you begin to breathe because the breath of life has come into you. So there is a pattern of what God did when he created Adam, isn't there? How many of you, <coughs> I won't say this, you mothers, when you had your babies, you were aware of everything. Some of y'all were sleeping, so y'all, give me another one. You know, but, but you were aware and if you were listening, you listened for what? That's right. And that's evidence of the breath of life coming into that baby. Because he inhaled, exhaled, and the breath of life you knew came in because there's a certain mechanism that happens in the birth canal that causes them to grab air on their own after they come out of the womb. Until that happens, you're nervous and you're tense because you're not sure that baby's all right. So that pattern of the breath of life, and, and if you read the book of Genesis, it says God made man of the dust, so he was clay. And that's what little babies look like when they're first born. Now, some of you women who are nurses or have attended births, you know that when babies come out, they look like little dead people. They have no color. They're, they're pretty much lifeless, and then somehow that breath of life comes into them and they begin to breathe. And I believe God's still in control of all of that. And you'll know for yourself, because if you have a pregnancy that's in distress, what do most people want, Ma, can you pray for me? If they know somebody who's a Christian, because they know they've got to go to God to get that fixed, because there's a pattern in everybody's brain that knows if there's something wrong with the product, you've got to go to the manufacturer to get it straightened out. And so these patterns and understandings of how things happen are indelibly imprinted into the soul of man. They're in all people, not just Christians. They're in everybody. The understanding to go forth and multiply and increase and replenish the earth is in everybody. You understand what I'm saying? You won't find anybody on earth that don't want to have sex. It's indelibly imprinted in the brain of every human being that this is the way we survive. And so we go forth, we are fruitful and multiply, replenish, increase. There's nobody that doesn't want to be successful. Increase, go forth, be fruitful, multiply. 
Some people want it so bad they'll go out and take something that belongs to somebody else. <laughs> Just, you know what I'm saying? Huh? Mafiosi tech techniques and so forth. And so we have to understand that there are patterns laid down by God in the earth. They are in humanity. They are also apparent and relevant and existing and operational in the realm of the spirit. And so that's where we're going to talk about the patterns of spiritual things. In Hebrews chapter 8, in verse 5, you'll see a, a conversation or a snippet of a conversation that God had with Moses. And it says, Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. And Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. See, he said, that you make all things according to the pattern that was showed you on the mount. Okay? And that was on Mount Zion when, when uh, Moses went up to fellowship with the Lord and God would reveal to him, just like we're having watchman revelations now, Moses had revelations from God and he showed him the pattern of things that were in heaven. In Exodus 25, 9, you'll see the exact conversation with Moses and God. And God is telling Moses exactly what to make the temple out of, the one that's in earth. And it's made according to the pattern of the sanctuary that's in heaven. In uh, Exodus 25, 9, it says, According to all that I show you after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so you make it. <clears throat> now, what does this have to do with anything? If there are legitimate thrones, if there are legitimate kingdoms, if there are legitimate tabernacles and temples and so forth, there have to be counterfeits simply because we have two kingdoms in operation. If we only had one kingdom, when Adam and Eve were on the earth, there was only one kingdom in operation. The devil had been kicked out of heaven and was essentially powerless on earth until he was able to convince man to disobey God and come over onto his side. And so when that happened, the devil became the god of this world. Man still has dominion, but Satan is the god of this world simply because the word God refers to a spiritual being. So because man decided to downgrade himself and live in the flesh, he gave spiritual control to Satan. Now, in order for Satan to seem credible, he has to play into the patterns of things that man has already on the inside of his soul. So when Satan wants to appear as God, he must feel all the different places that God fills. And God, we know, is a triune being. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Satan has set up his kingdom divided between three personalities that imitate Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, we call these deities, because they're called this in the Word of God, Jezebel, Ahab, and Pharaoh. And because these spirits have personality, and when I say personality, 
they're able to think on a high level of reasoning, of deception, and of ability. And because Satan has a lot of obedience in his kingdom, he'll see devils disobeying their leader. Uh, that's strictly man's territory. Uh, man's good at it. And if he falls under Satan's dominion, then that puts Satan in charge in certain areas. And so in order for Satan's kingdom to work efficiently, he has to pattern it after what God has done. And so God appears in three forms, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each with distinct personality. And so Satan has divided his Godhead up into three aspects, two male and one female. <clears throat> the pattern of order in God's kingdom is that the man was formed first and then the woman, okay? So God made the man the head because he formed him first. In Satan's kingdom, he can't afford to let that happen. So he makes the female deity to be the one who is the head. So you will see Jezebel ruling over her husbands, but they work in agreement with one another. So where they seem to be at odds and seem to be striving against one another, they're actually cooperating in unity, just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit operate in unity. These three operate in unity. But when they get involved in a human life, they begin to cause discord, upset, strife, territorial arguments, power, fights, power struggles, because they both try to dominate. You'll find men and women trying to dominate. Now, this isn't so um, strange because you see in the word dominate, the first part of it is the same part that God gave us in dominion. So you have dominion here given us by God, but if it's operating in the flesh, it turns into domination. So that people try to dominate and control one another so that they have the advantage of power and they can ascend and feel like God. When, when the serpent talked to Eve, what did he say? Huh? Did God really say? Huh? And what he, his proposition was this. He said, if you do this, then you will be like God. So in order for us to be like God, even now as carnal people, we have to dominate and rebel against God. You got it? So we are carrying out a pattern that was established after the fall in the garden, wanting to dominate. I can tell you people, the average person wants it because the minute you say submit to anybody, they have a picture of a dog jumping through hoops, and they get all ruffled, and people don't want to go that way. Because we don't trust one another. And we don't have a, 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 
um, a good understanding of the power of submission to a greater authority. What we'll do is we'll submit, but we'll do it in the flesh and wait a period of time and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, we jump up and take it back again because we don't really trust ourselves, so we certainly don't trust anybody else with skin on. And so we don't understand God's rules, his laws, and his ways. That's why he told Moses, he said, I want you to teach the people my ways. And Moses, because he was afraid of the reaction of the people, he wouldn't obey God, but he wouldn't transfer that knowledge onto the people. Why? Because he'd get that reaction. When he would say, God wants you to obey all of his rules, all of his laws, people would recoil. They start to whine. They complain against God. We get all of that when we're, we're challenged to obey, not forced challenged. God puts a command out there. He tells you, if you do this, there are certain benefits and blessings to your life, but you've got to trust me in order to do it. Well, those words drive people crazy. Words like trust, submit, obey, they drive human flesh crazy. And that's why this unholy trinity gets such a grip in the lives of people. Because Satan knows us well. He knows what we agreed to in the garden after the fall. He knows that above all things we want to be exalted and be like God. Because one thing that keeps people from success in God's kingdom is pride. And pride is disobedience. We don't want to submit. No, I did that, God. I tried that and that didn't work. Huh? If God tells you to pray for your spouse, you know, he ain't doing right. Well, who does do right? Huh? Well, you got to give me something to submit to. Huh? Well, you picked him. You don't be complaining to God. You picked him. And when you was chasing him, running him down, speed down and all that, God tried to get your phone cut off. You had your phone cut off 15 times, had your number changed, and you still calling him. So don't be complaining to God about what he ain't nothing to submit to. This is good preaching. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I don't care if y'all don't like it or not. Is it true? Huh? See, that's why when we started this ministry and we started to get other people involved in the ministry, we had that Let My People Go conference. And it was mostly to free up it was mostly to free up the people from these devils. Because that's all we did. Every meeting, we renounced everything. I would taught, teach, and we would renounce everything I just taught of. We'd lay hands on people, get them free. So when you go to pray, them demons don't stick to you no more. So it provides a safe haven and a covering for you in which to pray and operate so that you don't slip off into witchcraft and you don't slip off into trying to dominate people and you don't slip off into trying to run people's lives. Because the church has been guilty of that ever since Jesus was on the earth. Huh? The Pharisees wanted to control everybody. They controlled the money. They controlled when you could get healed, what day you could get prayed for, what day you couldn't get prayed for. Huh? So God doesn't want us dominating one another. 
He said, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. That means submit to one another knowing that if you don't do it and you don't love one another, you're not pleasing to God. So as long as you can walk in love and walk blameless before God, he'll put any of his power on you that you need to do your work for you that you need and to do work for him. He takes care of both. But if we don't learn how to trust him and stay away from the unholy trinity and stay off their territory, the biggest thing is to know which thoughts come from God and which thoughts come from the devil. You know, if you can figure out the voices of these three, you pretty much got it made. You'll stay out of trouble. And if you'll stay obedient to God, they have no legal right to jump on you and start interfering with your life. But if you step over the line, then you give them access to your thoughts, to your will, to everything. So we're going to talk about these three now that you understand (coughs) how important it is to know these patterns are already laid down in the human soul. You'll see how people can get deceived even if they've been walking with God. You'll see how preachers can wind up in a massage, gay massage parlor, and they got a church of 25,000 people with a prayer tower 24 hours a day. See, a lot of religious people think if I get busy for God, if I work for God, if I do this, if I do that, I'm free. If the sun has set you free, you are. But if you're trying to free yourself by staying busy all the time, you ain't free. Huh? Everybody got to lay down and rest sometime. So on page, which page do I want to go to? Did I give you a page already? 16. Thank you, Pastor Shirley. All right, we'll start at 15. And this is the curse of Jezebel. She, she want to get it on. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so we said the three seats of authority, the three personalities that Satan rules through are Jezebel, Ahab, and Pharaoh. Now you'll see in the Bible that they are sometimes called by different names. Queen of Heaven is one. Um, usually on the male side, there aren't so many different names. Wonder why. Hmm? Really, the, the, the deception that's involved in this trinity has to do with <clears throat> the fact that the two male personalities use the female personality to take responsibility, blame, and appear to be in control of all of these spiritual activities. Okay? So when, when you look at the fact that religion gets in the church, say for instance, and you see most of the people in the church, you know, consistently are women, well, what happens? Uh, same thing that Adam did. See, that's a pattern that's set in people's minds too. Huh? They'll blame the woman and let the man do what he wants to do because, let's face it, most churches are run by men. So how do women get the blame for trouble in churches if the man doesn't let them? 
And so this is a good example of how these three personalities play off one another and interplay to keep people deceived, to keep us off the track, to keep us thinking, well, there's just this woman in charge of things and running everything, and that's why we got problems. Huh? It's like Jesus, when he found the woman, they brought the woman to him that was caught in the act of adultery, but they never said anything about a man showing up for the trial. Now, to me, if I was a judge, I'd just throw the case out because we got a one-party adultery situation. And any definition you read of adultery, it takes... That what adultery is? Hello? Now, y'all stay with me now and don't go... Ooh, what's she talking about in the church? I can't believe... I can't believe it. I believe it. I bind your unbelief. Huh? So this pattern in the minds of humanity and the souls of men of blaming the woman is handed down generation after generation after generation. It is very common. Women were thought to be superstitious in certain circles. If, if people had a ship, ships were always named after women. But they didn't allow women on them because it was bad luck. Huh? And the only time, the only, it, it, it reference to a woman was the name on the ship, and that was it. She wasn't allowed on here because some catastrophe is going to happen if you let her in here. The French have a saying, cherchez la femme, it means to blame the woman. It's a very old, centuries-old saying. Yes, when anything goes wrong, cherchez la femme, blame the woman. So you have to understand, women, that the devil has it in for you. What does God say in the New Covenant? He says a woman is, is saved or redeemed in childbearing. So God has given women a key to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. The woman is central to that process. And that's how God redeems or saves the woman from generation to generation to generation and holds her up in high esteem in his own eyes. So God even refers to the church as his because he is redeeming the woman and elevating her back to her rightful place because he knows that imprint is always in the minds of humanity, blame the woman. For years, women had a very hard time getting certain kinds of jobs. Why? Because it was thought that we couldn't handle it. And see, a smart woman will let you believe that and let you work yourself into bad health. And then you pop out of here early and leave her all the money, all the property, all the... Huh? So blame the woman is a very common thought that runs through the minds of humanity. It's a pattern that's set there. And the devil uses it to his advantage. Because while we can see Jezebel and blame her for a lot of things that are wrong... 
Hmm? How many of you know who Freud is? I call him fraud, Sigmund Freud. <laughs> Sigmund, Sigmund Freud. Huh? Cherchez la femme. See? He thought all people's emotional problems were due to some kind of conflict with the mother. Huh? So while God is redeeming the woman and saving her through bringing forth children, the devil's trying to tear her down at every turn. Huh? So much so that many times in counseling, now I was a counselor when I was in the world, I worked in psychiatry. <laughs> you know, the inmates took over the asylum one day and I got locked up. But anyway, <laughs> this is another story. But uh, many times we would have to have family counseling and guess who they definitely had to have come in? They had to have the mother come in. Now father came in there and said, you know, he was excused. But the woman had to be there because somehow she was responsible. She was, huh? But God is proving what the truth. Now, most of y'all who are quiet, I hope you're quiet because you're taking notes and you're trying to get understanding and you're not like in this mental lib thing where you think all oh, this is a bunch of hogwash. Huh? Because women's lib really ain't what it's cracked up to be. Uh -huh. You don't need a government to set you free. Uh -huh. Especially if you're a Christian. You don't need a society to pull whatever, whatever off your life so that you can be this and be that. You just need to find Jesus. I mean, really find him and get your identity through him. And forget this worldly nonsense. Because, see, the women's lib thing is about to fall flat on his face and swing back the other way. And women are going to find themselves even more oppressed this time around because everybody said, well, we tried that, uh, and it didn't work. We had to pay all this money to the government in daycare because women refused to get married and have a real family for their children anymore. We had to do all this stuff and have all these extra benefits in the workplace because they wanted to have time off for family leave and all. It's expensive. When the government sets you free, it's expensive. And pretty soon they're going to get tired of paying the tab. Huh? See, women were always nurses because it was always open to them. Because men didn't want to do it until it started paying $50,000 a year. Now they want to do that. Cooking was always open to women until men decided they could go to chef school and wear a big hat and make a big deal out of it and own a restaurant. And they ain't doing nothing but stealing recipes off of... And, and For real. And, and they will go to... Have you seen some of these people they get... Where they go and eat on some of these food channel programs? I mean, a hole in the wall in Mississippi where... You know, I love Southern cooking and I love African-American culture and all that kind of stuff, but I ain't going. <laughs> huh? I wouldn't go. <laughs> Greasy spoon dives, you know, you take your life in your hand getting up in there. I said, mm, I'm going to go try it one time, but I don't take me here on a regular basis. My husband, late husband, had family in Memphis, and he had a cousin, Katie Jean. She would take you anywhere, man. She knew... 
Well, she stayed in after-hours joints. She was like a bat. She was the bat of the city. If it was a hole in the wall somewhere where they made barbecue or hamburgers, she knew about it. She'd take you, too. Huh? And I was a smoker in them days. And <laughs> I was in... Okay. Well, let's get it and go, okay? Do we have carry-out? I hope they do. Honey, they have run out for me because I wasn't staying up in there. But you see the Food Network cameras just are rolling on some of these dives. Why? Because they're looking for the essence of something new to present so they can make a buck off of it, and they don't care where they have to go to get it. So they'll go to your grandma's kitchen, and she'll be dipping snuff and spitting over in that can and frying chicken, and they say, man, this is the best fried chicken we ever had. Huh? It's the truth. Huh? So God is proving to us that we need one another. We need to work together. No domination. It's funny in the world, either the man's on top or the woman is. Somebody's always oppressing somebody and somebody's always dominating somebody. Nowadays, it's gotten so flipped over that men feel oppressed and out of sorts. Where they used to feel energetic and able to go forth and pursue and be successful and have dreams and knew they had a woman to support them so that they could do all the things they want to do that's in their heart for their families. But you seldom see that anymore. People think like this, oh, well, you know, <laughs> I don't need nobody. You know, that's the, that's the term now. So this unholy trinity has been able to convince us that we as men and women, number one, don't need to get married, don't need to commit to one another, don't need to have offspring so that the world is repopulated. All of those things this evil, wicked world has convinced us of, or they convince single women that they don't need a man to be a father to the children. So if you multiply and increase, you do it without partnership, so that the children never have the benefit of having this God pattern fulfilled in their life that's like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The human family is structured like that. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The male is a pattern of the Father. The female is a pattern of the Holy Spirit. And the offspring is a pattern of the Son. It's very simple. And so God made a human family to pattern after the spiritual family from which we are formed. We are made in that image, and it's only when we fulfill that same image pattern will we have success and fulfillment in this world. Now, people are trying it any kind of way they want to. There are even uh, same-sex marriage now. So we got to figure out in certain churches, they're trying to figure out, if they want to ordain homosexuals or not. Which means they have left the word of God totally. If anybody even considers that kind of question, that means they have left the word of God so long ago and they're so steeped in the world's pattern now that they think love means that you embrace sin and give it the same respect as righteousness. Righteousness. 
You never give sin respect. You never give the devil respect. You never give his ways respect. You take authority over that. You rebuke that. And you move it out of the way and you accept things God's way. So, page 15, Jezebel is a ruling spirit, is a female deity. She rules in areas where female authority dominates over a passive male. A passive male we know as her husband, Ahab. So there must, in order for Jezebel to operate, there must be a passive male to help her and cooperate with her. A man who is willing to lay down his authority, his headship, and all of those things and allow the woman to nominate. And see, this is how the enemy brings confusion on the minds of people because we'll look at these situations and think they're normal because they're so common. Did you hear what I said? I said they are very common. Many times you'll see women that they think their husbands aren't doing enough fast enough. That's how you get trapped into it. Kate Gosselin, that's what Pastor Shirley said. And they feel like they have to take the reins or take control. And see, if you don't take that to God... See, before you take anything, you need to take it to God. But most people in the world don't even know God. So they're just acting out what they think is important, what they see on television, what they hear in the magazines, what they think is important that's going to lift them up and make them look like they're more in control in their lives. And this is what the way people choose. Many times women will get upset and feel like things are falling apart and if I don't do something quick this whole thing is going to collapse well before you move out and do anything you've got to give it to God and see what God has to say about these things before you move out but most women won't do that they'll move and then they'll say God told me God told me Or they'll do this to you. I've had them do this to me. See, when you're a prophet, they do this to you. I know God told me. I said, well, show me in the word what you're talking about. I said, what God you talking about? You're talking about Bible God or, huh? See, when when you put God's stamp on something that didn't come from God, You put confusion on your life in the spirit. See, you begin to lift him up as something he's not. And then you're you're reluctant to let go of whatever it is you're holding on to. See? It's like, okay, people say things like, God told me to divorce my husband. Or God... God, they'll even go this way. You know, if I corner them a little bit, well, God told me to separate, and then we're going to get back together later. I said, God wouldn't do that to you. I said, he would follow his word. Bible says if an unbeliever departs, let him go. 
I said, so if anybody's going to do any leaving, your husband's going to leave you. He's in disobedience, but you get to keep the house. I mean, that's the only way you can reach some people. You know what I'm saying? Just let him leave. If he's not, as the Bible says, if they're content to dwell with you, let him stay. Who knows, O man, if thou will save thy wife? Who knows, O wife, if thou will save thy husband? Who knows? God knows. When you say you're always listening to all the time, see? You need to check in with him for real. But God don't tell people to divorce. That is a human decision. He didn't even create divorce to tell you you could use it. So he wouldn't know where to find that. No way to give it to you. Most of this is a human decision anyway. Because most people really don't consult God. You know, or they'll find somebody first and then run around with a marriage certificate and want God to co-sign it. Always looking for a co-signer for they mess. Huh? It's the truth. Well, I done prayed about it. And I know what God told me. Huh? You know, I just tell them, look, go take you a cold shower. And I'll take three of them per day. And call me in about a week. Oh, y'all didn't like it, but I don't care. We're getting these devils out of here. Huh? See, this is what causes your young Christian children to look at people in the world and like them better than the brother and sister in the Lord that they have grown up with in the church. Huh? There's a little mindset. Devil's playing around in their mind all the time, telling them, you can do this, you can do that. And this is God, that's God. No, God will tell you to do things in line with his word. In fact, the Bible said divorce didn't even come from God. Moses made that up. And let me tell you who he made it up for. He made it for hard-hearted people. So in divorce, you already name yourself as being the one who is hard of heart. Your heart's too hard. You don't want to forgive. And you don't want to love. But we Christians, have you heard? We have new hearts. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And they have been softened. We have hearts of flesh, not stone. Check in and see what Mr. Flesh can say instead of Mr. Stone all the time. Huh? And so we will obey. Oh, but you know what that, oh, you know what? You, oh, I know. You don't like that. You know why? Because that means you got to submit. Well, I, I know this much. God would not want me to be a doormat. Honey, as far up in the heavens as you are now, doormat is the farthest thing that you have to be worried about 
because you're too haughty and high-minded to even find the will of God or want the will of God. Very few people get married in the Lord, to be honest with you. Most people are, what's that scripture over there? It's better to get married than to burn. Or that's what. You didn't think I'd say that, did you? Snake, oh, snaky devil, snake, just get out of here in Jesus' name. Huh? Huh? Or it's too much showtime. Is that the channel they put all that stuff on? Sopranos and it's too much of that. And not enough Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, you just can't read the Bible all the time. Yes, you can. Try it. I'm not talking about all the time for most people. I'm talking about 10 minutes a day. Huh? It'll fix you up. But see, you won't have all these subtle thoughts coming to you, telling you this is God and you got to obey God and this is what God wants you to do. And I asked God already and, and, and what did he say? I found the words yet, the little liars. You won't find God in your flesh. Flesh and blood will not inherit the promises of God. And when God looks at you and wants to find somebody for you to marry, he's looking for the good of your spirit anyway. Huh? See, we're always looking for somebody cute, you know, number one. And we feel better if we think somebody else wants them, you know. Got me something now. Carol, I married the pastor, and everybody was after him. Huh? I want muscles. Yeah, right. You ain't getting that either. <laughs> These brothers fool you, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> Suck it in when they're around the ladies. Uh-huh. Nonsense. No, God's looking at the longevity of your spirit. How long is your spirit man going to stay alive if you connect with that person? How long will it be before you start to turn against God? How long will it be before you get tired of praying, tired of going to church because it's not working? Are you trying to work it on the wrong person? That's the problem. Huh? And if you would put your little book of spells away and go get you a Bible. Well, God, I just want a man who loves me for me. What is he? What else are you offering him besides you? You ain't got no money. You know what I'm saying? What did Quit looking at Lifetime Channel. You know what? Lifetime is sick of Lifetime. 
They went and stole Project Runway from Bravo just so they don't have to play that crap every day. They look sick of themselves. Or we. Or oxygen. When you when you feel it in self pity, you go and watch uh, Lifetime, where all the women get hooked up with the wrong man. He treat her bad and go leave her and stuff. I know the whole program. And then you go over to Oxygen and you get a chance to watch Snap, where she just went crazy and shot him all up and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Huh? <laughs> Y'all got to say, yeah. <laughs> they only got about four snaps on there. Snaps. You know, and they all sitting up in jail looking crazy. Huh? <laughs> all right, we're going to go back to the word. As a ruling spirit, Jezebel, a female deity, rules in areas where female authority dominates over a passive male. Now, let me tell you one thing about the passive male. They have access to the spirit of Pharaoh, which makes them aggressive at times. So the one, the man that's passive one day can be aggressive one day. That, you know, the devil knows no limits to what he'll put, what kind of pressure he'll put under people. So you'll see these situations like where there's a, a woman that, you know, she falls madly in love with this man, and it's, well, whatever you want, and I just want to make you happy for the rest of your life, and all that kind of stuff. And then they get home, he starts slapping all upside her head. She thought she had somebody that was just going to, you know. These are the games these demons play with people. You know, be careful of a man who just loves you all the time, man. You know, the... know what I mean, them stalker type, junior stalker types. Huh? Because really they like kind of like immature women. Jezebel knows how to play real immature. You know, they like statutory guys. Except they might run into somebody their own age, you know, or something like that just to make it legal. But, you know, they really like like a 12-year-old. They would like a 12-year-old girl. Oh, he just adores me, and, and we just can't stay away from each other. Next time you see her, bam, she ain't got two black eyes, teeth all over in the corner somewhere. And she lived, who is it? Chris Brown. Yeah, Rihanna. <coughs> and she laying up in the ER somewhere. Huh? True. Yeah. It's the truth. I play the most stupid as Jezebel and Ahab Pharaoh games. Huh? Because I can tell you one thing (laughs) by experience. (laughs) You know, men hit hard. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you might think that they all love you and da 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 but they still men. Huh? And see, they manhood come on them one good time and you flat on the floor. 
And that's how these three spirits interplay. See? You get some guy and he calling you all the time, oh, I just love you and I want to spend my whole life with you. And I just, oh, and then you, you know, you somewhere doing work or something like that or trying to take a bath or wash some clothes and the phone ring and, oh, baby, I just couldn't keep thinking about you. I just, you know, I just, you know, me and you, we, we ought to hook up. Right. Left hook, right hook, uppercut. That's what you're going to get. Huh? And they never want to marry you. Well, let me tell you, put it this way. If you are good at your witchcraft, in your book of spells, if you're like in the middle of the book or something, in the higher pages of your book. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm never going to get to this. this. Now, see, if you ain't no junior witch, you know, like, uh, who is them people on Nickelodeon? Waverly Place, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you ain't no little wizard like, you know, that kind of little spell stuff. If you graduated from that and you're not like in the white magic, you're like in the gray heading over to black, you can probably get one of them to marry you. Huh? Uh-huh. You can get one of them to marry you. Just pulling strings and pulling strings and pulling strings. That's how the enemy gets people disappointed in marriage. You know, sometimes good people that, that are trying to be Christians but weak in the flesh and don't like to read their word and, you know. <laughs> oh, when I look in the mirror from time to time, you know, you're you going to see that person. And so you have to learn that you have to give things over to the Lord. And you have to feed yourself his word so that when you get ready to ask for something in prayer, you have a clear vision and a clear understanding of what you're asking for. There's a pattern already God puts in your spirit, a pattern of a person who will fit that pattern perfectly. Well, God, he almost looked like that. I don't give you no almost nothing. Huh? He's alive. He's warm. Well, most of them is warm. Hands a little cold sometimes, but we work on that. Uh, and he's breathing most of the time. Sleep apnea. Uh, well, I know he needs a healing, so. Well, you don't know nothing about healing yourself. <laughs> you going to get him well. See, God sent me to him because he needs a healing. You ain't come to the meetings but three times yourself. How you going to get somebody healed? All them Darvon, Aspirin, and Emperins. And, you see, I'm old school. I remember. All, I don't know what they got out there now. Huh? So these spirits play off one another to make people feel that they have love, that they have companionship, and that they have help in the world. And the devil can't wait to pull the wool off of you so you can see exactly what you have. He gets your foot in a snare, and as soon as he pulls you into the trap, then he reveals himself underneath.
And by then it's too late. You've got to walk it out with God now. Because there must have been something you saw in that person that was desirable, and God's going to make you make good on that. That's why marriage is until one of you dies. So unless you're going to go on snap and really hurt somebody, you've got to make plans to stretch your faith out, get content, and pray what God wants you to pray into that person's life. God has not set you in that person's life for them to please you and jump to your every need. But he has set you in that person's life for you to love one another and serve. Serve. It's another word flesh don't like. Serve. Serve. Serve one another. Huh? You know, when I got married, all I wanted was me. I wanted me a boyfriend like all the other girls had a boyfriend. Huh? Because you don't want to be different. You don't want to be rejected, left out. You know, you want to be in the game, so to speak. And God saw that. Huh? And God will honor prayers of people who are distant from him. He'll honor the desires of your heart. And he'll allow you to find people that you feel that you can give love to. But as a sinner, I didn't know the extent of giving that was expected in a marriage. And that's all that's wrong with anybody. They don't know the extent of giving that's required in a marriage relationship. Well, let me ask you this. If we are the bride of Christ, how much giving did Jesus do to make us his own? He ain't quit giving. He gave his life, his blood, his comfort, everything that he had. He bankrupted heaven and came down here to earth to live like we do. And now he lives in us and among us to bring us up to perfection, which is what he wants for all of us. So he ain't quit giving yet. So let me ask you. I want a husband. Now, you better ask yourself, do you want to be a wife? Hey, people in hell want ice water, but they ain't getting none. If you can fit in the bill, then it's a whole deal, folks. You don't just get a husband. You get to be a wife. And the only part you can control is what you do anyway. So ask yourself, do you want to be somebody's wife? Huh? In sickness and in health. Even with all your healing gifts. Huh? <laughs> it's the truth. Forsaking everybody. You know what forsake means? Somebody walks past you that's fine as wine in the summertime, and you go like, I didn't see that. <laughs> I didn't see that. God, please. No, I didn't see that. Huh? I want myself. Huh? It's the truth. Y'all know it's the truth. Listen, you don't stop being human just because you saved. 
But don't let your humanity rule outside of God. Huh? Because you're 100% human and you're 100% God. Honey, when the human goes off, it can go all the way off. And when God goes off, he can go all the way off too. So we live by the spirit and not by the flesh. But you know, you need to ask yourself that. Do I really want to serve this other person all the days of my life? Uh, Don't worry about asking God what's in it for you. Well, God, how come I have to always be the one to... You don't know what that brother doing to get along with you. <laughs> Let's have the husband come up and have his say for a change. You know, women, we always crowd the altar. And he, guess what he did yesterday, Pastor Barbara? I said, oh, let me guess. How many bunches of bananas did he eat yesterday? Man, you think you married a Godzilla, King Kong, and everything all wrapped up into one. We need to quit being hypocrites. Huh? Because when the lights is out, we love them. So let's quit being liars. Don't nobody come up to me with that phony stuff again. I'm not listening to it because I know you're lying. Huh? It's the truth. So let's just be straight about it. What you don't like is that you have to give and you have to obey the word. You've got to obey God. And he wants to train you to be obedient all the time. And he has chosen marriage for you as your training ground. Huh? If you're going to be married to God throughout eternity, how can you think you want to be married to God and you don't want to be married to a person with skin on Who's made in God's image. Huh? Huh? You know, I love the Lord. But I always knew the difference between Jesus and my husband. It was real obvious. No. And I knew that I had to serve my earthly husband in order to please God. Huh? God taught me that real early. Now, see, a lot of you women rolling your eyes at me right now, <laughs> sending me daggers. I don't care. Huh? This is what it's about. And I feel like God blessed my life because of it. Huh? My service didn't go unnoticed. It was noticed by God. And if my husband wasn't everything I thought he should have been, and he didn't do everything for me I thought he should have done, I told that brother, no, I didn't. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? I served anyway. Huh? There were times when I did tell the brother, you know, (laughs) repent, you know, flesh. Got to deal with it. 
But my heart was to please God through serving him. The minute you get it twisted, you try to start trying to serve that person to please that person, you're on the wrong road. You serve humanity to please God. And you find things that are pleasing to that person and you do them for them. Well, I don't want him to think I'm going to do this all the time. Why not? Huh? You know, you don't want to. I had this, this uh, girl that worked for my husband, you know, it was his assistant. She got married, and the minute she got married, it was trouble. And I told my husband, I said, well, I said, I really think she's just going to get what she wants out of the marriage and then just leave. I said, she's got a good job. I said, it doesn't sound like she really loves this man. Well, see, God had made me understand these spiritual forces. And you could see them on people, you know. And so I had the habit sometimes if, I know I was going to say if the Lord moved me, but that really ain't true. If I was trying to get my butt out of hot water because I'd spent too much money or something, you understand what I'm saying? It's female trick number. Well, you you, you keep te- taking notes, baby doll, huh? <laughs> we'll talk about the rest of it later. But but uh, you know, there were times where I felt there was a distance between us. Is that, is that good? Yes. And so I just had to make the overture to get the relationship back. <laughs> I was coming up to, you know, once a month he would go over all the check stubs come, you know, check statement comes. I know the brother going to be looking at that and looking at me, you know, like he don't spend no money. So I would just bless him and take him lunch. And don't tell me I'm supposed to do it. But I bless that brother. And he loved fried chicken, so. Statements come out around the sixth of the month. I was frying chicken on the sixth. You got me? To do otherwise would have been very foolish for me. Yeah. He, he got to the point he treated like hemlock. He said, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> I said, well, we can pray and bless it. Is that what you want to do? <laughs> no, I don't want your poison. What you up to? <laughs> but anyway, I would bless the brother and bring something up for him. And his assistant would, would come in there. She couldn't, she couldn't stand it. This is how Jezebel is. She finds somebody in God who's being submitted and then she'll make some, she'll, she'll, and she tried to do it nice, but it was killing her. Now, she couldn't be mean to me because she gets fired. <laughs> so I knew she couldn't hurt me, and she couldn't hurt me anyway because, you know, God. What can I tell you? God will deal with her. But anyway, she'd come in. Oh, Barb, how you doing? And she'd hug me, and she said, you're spoiling him. I said, yeah, and you getting ready to kick yours out, you know, to myself. Because I knew the brother was on skates. True. She stayed to, married to him exactly two years. When her second child was born, she put, him, she, she put the ice under the skates and sent that brother on out of there. <laughs> 
And I told my husband that's how it was probably going to end up, but he couldn't believe. I think she really loves him. And I'm thinking, what planet do you live on, really? I said, she brought this brother in here. He's got no job, no career. She's got, she's almost an executive. She's been to school, got a degree, all that kind of stuff. And she's just going to slide this brother in on skates, let him park the skates in the house, and then put the ice back under him later when she's done with it. That's Jezebel. That's Jezebel in this day and age. Huh? That's why we have children with anonymous fathers. That is a little more honest than somebody who will marry a man and say till death do us part knowing that he's only there temporarily. Do you understand? That's what I call a hardened heart. God has not given us hardened hearts. Our hearts are softened. So when we see activity like that, we are somewhere in us is supposed to recoil and get an understanding that that is not for us. That is not a justified divorce. This girl had in her mind all along that she just wanted some guy to give her some babies with legitimate last names and put him out the house. Well, I hope you get rid of all those thoughts. You know, I really do. Because marriage is for life. Marriage to Jesus is for eternity. God's not playing with us. He really means to keep us until we come home to be with him. And the Bible says that marriage is a similarity, it's a shadow of our, our relationship with Christ. The relationship be twice between Christ and the church is a mystery, just like marriage is. And the longer you stay married, the more challenged you will be to keep the marriage. Until finally you'll see a couple that's been married about 50 years. They said, oh, Harriet. They said, oh, John. And they just get on, you know, hug each other and keep on living together. You understand what I'm saying? There's no more fight, there's no more striving, because they have learned that the two can become one, and you are there to help and serve one another. You're not there to dominate anybody. You're not there to control anybody. You're not there to, to make sure you don't get taken advantage of or any nonsense like that. You're there to serve, because that's what love is. Love serves. Anybody got any love for anybody around here? Huh? Well, love serves. And love's not afraid to serve, and love is not ashamed to serve. In fact, love seeks to serve. Huh? Joyce Meyer says her husband had prayed and said, God, send me a woman who needs my help. Now, why a man would say something like that, I don't know. Because there's some sisters out here. Huh? <laughs> but it must have been a cry of God in his heart. You know that, don't you, Mr. Gary? It's the truth. You know it's the truth. Huh? And most men avoid him. Who wants trouble? But he married her, 
And he had to teach her how to respect herself, her children, her husband, all of those things. And so God worked in that situation. And it's been a blessing to her, to everybody, to the whole world, to the body of Christ. So it is worth it to serve that person that you're married to. It's worth it to stay with them. It's worth it to find out what it is that person needs. Please them and bring those things to them. That young woman is probably still not married. You know, last time I heard she had, well, I got a new boyfriend, a new brother, not another one. Huh? Kids, boyfriends running in and out. There's Jezebel likes that. Why? Because she can dominate. That's her thing. Dominate and not have to listen to any man. I don't have to take orders from any man. I don't need a man to tell me anything. Hmm? And so if, if that's in your brain, you can renounce that and get free of it. You know, These influences are everywhere. And they've never been so prevalent as they have been, I would say, in the last 40 years, especially in Western society. Not this, just this nation, but all of Western society. The ultimate domination is abortion. Because it's a per- perverted dominion over a person's body. Huh? A perverted dominion. Oftentimes in abortion, the woman has made a decision to conceive and then aborts that. Jason Beer, uh, the young man who's going to minister at the conference, has a ministry called Fatherhood Forever. He suffered a severe depression. Before he got saved, he had a girlfriend and she got pregnant and he got excited about the baby and thought they'd get married and came home one day and found out she had aborted the baby. And it took him years to get his mind back and to find God. And so he told the Lord if there was a way that he could help similar men or help them to avoid that, that he would dedicate his life to it. So he's going to come and minister to us. Huh? Amen. Because the men's need to be heard from. They need to be heard from on all levels. And they need to be heard from so that we can understand that there is a place for women and men to work together to accomplish God's will. And I think if we will keep that in mind... See, the end of Jezebel, Ahab, and Pharaoh is that the will of God is never done. And we don't accomplish anything in God. Anytime you pick up an idea and call it God and it doesn't line up with God's word, you've been influenced by some of their witchcraft. Because you want so much for that to be God, you're not willing to let go of it. Now, let me ask you this. If it was God that told you to get a divorce, what's going to happen in your next marriage? Is the same God going to tell you to divorce this person? Of course it will. That's why you see people after they've had one, they usually have two, three, four, etc. Because God keeps telling them the same thing over and over and over again. And you'll never admit that that's not God because you want to be right. You don't want that to, you know... 
God forbid I say it's God and it's not God. <laughs> huh? And so we have to be careful, folks, to measure things according to the will of God. Obedience to God will always keep you in a pathway where you can hear from him. And you'll know when he's talking to you, and you'll know when he's not talking to you. You won't have to come up and try to manipulate some preacher and tell them you know God told you something. As though they can't tell you it's not God. (laughs) You understand? I'm not that polite. (laughs) If I know it's not God, I'll tell you it's not God. And you can take your offering and go home. I don't care what you do, but I want to be right with God. So stay out of the devil's stuff, y'all. Keep your minds in the word of God. No matter how hard it seems for you to obey the scripture, it's going to work out for you. It's always going to work out for you. The hardest platform on which the scriptures are proven is always in the realm of relationships. Huh? You'll see people in the church, they tithe, they give nice offerings, they come on a regular basis, but man, when you start talking about mm, everybody's <laughs> come out, you snake. Huh? You start hissing and tail rattling and all that kind of nonsense. Huh? <laughs> know it is all like that huh why because we know that in relationships we'll lose ourself and that's why God designs relationship for you to lose self so you can rise up in the spirit of God and he can make something out of you it is worked out in relationships well, I'm happily single and I'm serving God. Oh, you're going to be very happy he finds you somebody. You think you're happy now, you're going to be giddy when he gets you. Huh? Your rib, your spouse, your whatever, spice, whatever y'all want to call them. Huh? <laughs> you're going to be giddy in obedience. Because he'll get you stuck there. And you know you can't move this way, that way, front or back. You got to stay right there until God's finished with you. You are perf- you are perfected in the crucible and the fire of marriage and relationship, huh? Good for you. I don't care. Relationship with your boss, relationship with a husband or a wife, pastor, uh, father, mother, whoever it is. You're made in your relationships. Jesus was made and crowned king and lord of all in relationship with the church. He wasn't made and crowned lord of all and given a name that was above every name until he had given everything for his bride. So if he was made, for all you mafiosi types, uh, (laughs) I'm going to be made. Yeah, you're going to be made all right. Uh, made over and over and over again. And then God starts making you and he finds a flaw in there, he's going to break you and start making you all over again. Because he is determined that when he said, man in my image, and we lost it to the devil, he's going to bring it back. 
and he's not going to fail at it. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding, for the good things that you give.